Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, conflict is a natural part of life and business, you know. And like mold growing inside the fridge, it just gets worse if we leave it alone and pretend it isn't there. So why are we always sweeping conflict under the rug and just wishing it will go away? We're talking about that up next, right after the news. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama unveiled the largest gun control push in the U.S. for decades today, which includes 23 executive orders. The plan also urges Congress to renew a ban on assault weapons and more sweeping background checks on anyone buying a a firearm. A new ad from the National Rifle Association is being criticized as too personal for its argument that since President Obama's kids are protected by armed guards, everyone else's should be too. The ad also labels the president as a hypocrite. Local politicians are pushing for a campaign for long-sought statehood in the District of Columbia. The effort includes a bill in the House and a PR campaign tied to President Obama's second-term inauguration. After an agonizing delay for some, a House vote today approved $50.7 billion in relief funds for victims of Hurricane Sandy. A Senate vote is scheduled for next Tuesday. FBI officials arrested 27 people this morning in New York City as part of a sweeping mafia raid. The arrests were in connection to an investigation into the mob's control of the private garbage hauling industry. In world news, seven Americans are among a group of 41 hostages seized in Algeria by Islamist militants who staged a raid on a gas field early this morning as part of a retaliation effort against French forces trying to end a rebellion in Mali. African troops will be deploying alongside the French forces in Mali within the next week as the fight against Islamist rebels in the country begins to gain some ground. UN-backed West African forces will be sending 3,300 men to aid in the intervention. A helicopter crash in central London left two dead and 13 injured early today during morning commute hours. The chopper crashed into a crane and then exploded after hitting the ground. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend here, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the show. Have we got a great one for you today. Today, now, have you ever been in an argument with somebody, and uh, in that argument, it just escalates, it gets worse, you can't talk about even the silliest, simplest of things Conflict. It's a big part of our lives. I don't think it's going to go away. Lately in my practice as I've been working and and coaching clients, I can't tell you. Lately I've had so many of these couples that that can't talk. They just can't do it. doesn't matter what happens. They're not going to talk through their issues because they're so afraid of conflict. They're so afraid of it not going well. So on the program today, we've got that for you. We're going to be bringing on an expert who has dealt with conflict in really some of the hardest ways, I think. She uh, she worked behind the bars as a correctional officer and then was uh, received a master's degree and, and started doing uh, mediation, conflict resolution in corporate boardrooms 
and with people all over. So she's going to teach us how to resolve conflict. Her name is Charmaine Hammond. She'll be joining us a little bit later. Before we do that, another little update for you. We're going to be taking calls. If you have questions specific um, to your life, your issues about conflict, we'd love to get a call from you. 801-422-0143. 801-422-0143. And we can ask those questions to Charmaine um, about conflict. Another thing we're going to be trying today for the first time is a little bit of live Facebooking, where if you can actually get on our Facebook page, just go to Facebook, look up Matt Townsend. T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D, and you can ask your questions on Facebook, and we'll be bringing some of those questions from our um, our uh, friends there on Facebook and bring those up to Charmaine as well. So again, we'd love to have you go check out our Facebook page. Just look up Matt Townsend, and we'll use those questions live on the air. Also, you can call us, and um, we can have your pretty little voice on the air as well. But before we do that, we like to do this funny thing uh, where we get into the human headlines. Real news that affects real people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Human Headlines. Good stuff. The human headlines are where we get the good, the bad, the ugly of the human race. We try to find and figure out what uh, works, what doesn't. And we just go through a bunch of stories to see what's happening with humans lately. Who's got the first story? I didn't have time to look one up. You didn't. So I've got an email instead. Oh. That worked. Is this an email from your mother? You know, the kind that – no – and actually, it was, uh, I think, from your your box. I think oh, you forwarded this to me. Great. You know what that's like when you have mother? a sister-in-law or an aunt who forwards you all kinds of stuff oh, yeah. that you've read nine or ten times. But this one was new. I hadn't seen this one before. I thought it was funny. <laughs> so this guy was uh, tailgating a uh, fairly stressed-out woman down the busy street. Well, the light turned yellow, and so he did the right thing and, and stopped at the crosswalk line, but... Uh, Boy, the tailgating lady, she she got ticked off. She started hitting the horn and screaming because she'd missed her chance to, you know, get through the light. Well, yeah, you got to get through. So she was just ranting and raving when she heard a tap on her window and looked up. There's a police officer there. Busted. Why? And uh, the police officer was said uh, he was uh, taking her downtown. So he put her in that little holding cell in the back of the car. And after a couple of hours... uh, She's wondering what's going on, why, why she'd been detained. The policeman says, I'm so sorry. We made a mistake. You know, I pulled up behind your car, and you were sitting there honking your horn. Uh, you were just saying all kinds of stuff about the guy in front of you. And I, I saw the bumper sticker on your car. And so I, I just assumed that, you know, the way you were acting, the bumper sticker saying, follow me to Sunday school, that uh, you'd stolen the car. <laughs> Oh, busted. A little hypocrisy. Yeah, isn't that funny when you, you're you sitting there and, you know, somebody's going off and you know them and they're, and they're mad at you and they're frustrated and then you realize, like, they're your neighbor. You go to church with them every Sunday. That's how I felt with Skyboy when you pulled out the other day and you were so mad at me. Do you remember that? When I did what and were mad you, at you? You pulled out and we both pulled out and I, I wanted oh, to. Oh, we were driving. Yeah, yeah, I was driving. Yeah. And you acted like you were all cool and you... um we're rude. I don't know what you're talking about. I am cool. I don't have to pretend to be cool. Well, that's rude. <laughs> yeah, it's called hypocrisy. We're talking. We're talking about uh, on the show today conflict. Now, Skyboy and I. It seems like we have conflict, but really we don't. Because to have conflict, you'd have to care. <laughs> oh. 
You with me, Skyboy? Matt, I care about you. I know you do. I care about a lot of things. I know you do. I feel good that you said that. That was a little deep, Matt. I think we should work out our problems. We're trying to get deep on the show faster. (laughs) Uh, Who else has got some news? Tybo, different than Skyboy. Tybo. Tybo. Isn't that like an exercise? It is an exercise. We used to. It's Matt's favorite. Mm -hmm. We used to have to do that in Zumba. Like if you like skipped, if it was like raining outside, because you'd have to do Tybo. We'd have PE outside, and if it was raining, we'd have to go inside and do Tybo, and everyone. Do you want to just bust a move for us? I don't think I I remember Tybo. I don't remember Tybo. (laughs) Tybo was a guy. Wasn't the guy's name was Ty or something? I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, wait. This guy right here? Oh, this is Tyler. Oh, Tyler's here. Oh, Oh, I thought you were Gus. I'm here now. How are you, Tybo? What's your story for us? Uh, Well, recently we did a show kind of on um, uh, technology, and we've talked about uh, kids using, you know, you talked about your kids getting smartphones and stuff like that, and how Madison has to do all your computer work because you don't know how. No. Well, we don't need to bring it up, but yes, thank you. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Well, um, in December. Uh, Microsoft uh, Microsoft Store was showing adults how to use Windows 8, but it wasn't the the people from Microsoft. It was kids showing them. So then the store saying, "Hey, here's how you use a computer." And so these kids <laughs> were showing their parents how to work it. Well, it turns out that there's a nine year old boy in India that is a little better than that. It's not just that he's going to show you how to use a computer. He is actually the youngest person ever to pass the Microsoft Certified Technology how Specialist old again? exam. He is nine years old. He's a fourth grader. Oh, that's so messed up. And he has passed the exam to be a computer uh, technician specialist, basically. No way. Yeah. The record previously was held by a 12-year-old in Dubai. Yeah, but can he play cricket? No. Well, no, because he spends all of his time, like, fixing your computer for you. (laughs) But, I mean, seriously, the one kid was from Dubai. This other kid is also... What's our deal? He's from India. Why haven't we done something that amazing? Well, you know that moment in your career where you sit there and you hear about somebody getting a really nice software job and they get to work in this cushy environment with padded beanbag chairs and free food, and you think, oh, I should have gone into software. (laughs) And then you hear a story like that and you think... There's no way you could ever get a job. No, the fourth just, graders are taking all the jobs. <laughs> the job hogs. I hate so it when fourth grader edges you out. genius out there that you can't compete with. Well, that's well, got to be hard because how do you really compete with a fourth grader? Well, it's not just a fourth grader. Okay, listen to this. You're talking genius. Um, he started working on computers when he was two years old. <laughs> he was more fascinated by computers than toys. He started writing small software programs by the age of six. Unbelievable. He is capable of solving problems in differential uh, calculus and integral calculus. My kid was potty trained when he was four. Sounds like me. It's pretty it's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's hard to do. It's a hard task, hard feat to I mean, any really when you think about it, who can't use a computer? People Do you know how to change of... the background on your Mac now? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So you so you can use one. That's I could figure it out if I had all day. But I don't. I have Madison. Yeah, exactly. So now you're like, Madison, I want this picture on my background. And Madison does it so quickly that why wouldn't I? (laughs) I want her to feel included in my dysfunction. Oh, thanks, Matt. Welcome to my world. (laughs) Well, that's good news for that fourth grader. Kind of bad news for the, I don't know, 55-year-old that needs a job. (laughs) Right. Oh, well.
At least we're all progressing one I'm way. I'm sorry, right? you're, you're a qualified candidate, but we're going to go with this other person who's entering level and That's cheaper. Right. That's He's a lot cheaper. We just got to buy him lunch once a week. <laughs> and, I mean, he's going to make a little money doing that, and he says he wants to be a scientist when he grows up. So uh, he eventually... Will. Well, grows up, he'll, he'll be, be a scientist by the time he's, I don't know, 13. <laughs> That's amazing. Good stuff. Good for him anyway. That's, uh, I mean, oh, why do I feel really bad about myself right now? Maybe it's because Skyboy made fun of my ability to to use a computer. I wasn't making computer. fun, Matt. Okay. Was... Who else oh, has got news? Not, that's not what you do. You scroll up. Oh, I was wondering finger. how you do it. You just <laughs> scroll, do you? So any other news for us? Yes. So it's actually really cool. Um, this guy, uh, there was this girl about few years ago, I guess 15 years ago, she threw this big party, you know, started out with a few friends, but then some other people came over. Then her parents were like, oh my gosh, some of our stuff is getting stolen. So they called the police, you know, had the party evacuated out. And, but there were these gold rings, and I think there were four of them that um, had some sentimental value with, to the family yeah. and they were gone. And so, you know, it was apparently really hard for this family. They were like, you know, it's... Gollum. <laughs> totally Gollum. <laughs> Never trust. Was there a little grayish green, transparent, translucent guy with pointy ears that hardly was robed? Mm. You know, they didn't specify, but... Did it, were any of them named Precious? <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's my favorite uh, show. <laughs> I personally have met Gollum. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. True that. No. Um, can you do a golem impression? I no, wanna, I want to hear it. I can't. Can you do one, Tyler? Let's Tyler hear. Can do it. Yeah, I, I can. But does it give it's me chills? Because precious me out. along with my Wookie thing and stuff. Oh, Let's um, just do, do it. Golem. <clears throat> yes, precious. Give <laughs> 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 <of> the ring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that just, we got to the point of what happened to the rings, but <laughs> what happened to the rings? <laughs> that just freaked me out. Why do your eyes roll back in your head when you do that? <laughs> It's got to get into character. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, so pretty much 15 years later, you know, now, um, this the mother of the girl who threw the party um, was sent a letter at her work containing the four rings. So this guy wrote back. He just said that he was so sorry. You know, um, he signed it by a sincerely regretful dumb kid who wants to right a wrong. Huh. And so, yeah, they were just like, you know. They don't care who stole them. They're just super glad that they got it we back. We just need the rings back. Exactly. So, I mean, speaking of, you know, um, resolving conflicts today, yeah. I mean, imagine that internal conflict on that guy because, Huge. you know, he could have been like, oh, whatever. It's, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's been years. Yeah. And it was nice of him to return the rings, too, because, yeah. I mean, you could write a note and say, I'm so sorry I stole your rings, sincerely, whoever, and then just right. send the note off by itself. Or you could throw it into a giant volcano. Yeah. Thanks, Lord of the Rings reference, <laughs> but I'm. Sh- um. You know what? Does this as you as you read this story, Madison? Does it make you think back? Oh my goodness! When you stole that rock, <laughs> when you it was a shiny rock, and I was four. <laughs> did you return the rock? I mean, you could return the rock. I, I could return the rock. You probably ought to return the rock before you leave and go do volunteer service for eighteen months. You know, I just think it would be more shameful to return the rock and then instead of, um, you know, moving on. I have it like on a keychain, so I remember, oh, to be honest. Interesting, because so. what if they had just kept those four rings on a keychain? 
Oh my goodness. Maybe used them when they needed them later. Okay, so those of you that don't know the story, I confessed on air that when I was four, like, uh, there's this... Um, but a very mature four. <laughs> very mature four. I knew what I was doing. No, she stole a rock from yeah. a, a vendor on a street. No. A street vendor. No. I bet that was very sentimental to that street oh, goodness. vendor, too. No. It was, it was the rock that his mom gave him right he before she died. He probably really wants that back. <laughs> no. You should a return death it. Rock. <laughs> okay, so you know those places, like in Wyoming, and I got this at Lake Tahoe, where they have like a whole ton of rocks, yeah. and they're like, they're hey, gems. fill up the bag, <laughs> fill up the bag, and you pay like two or four bucks for it. And I just wanted this one rock and um it was blue and it was very shiny and it was really pretty and so i asked my mom if i could get it she said no she so i took no. it and i felt terrible and so but yeah so i doubt huge yeah so that's what happened well so. i think that's a great story i'm not saying you have to take your rock back i'm not saying that it's I'm just, just an saying idea if you want peace <laughs> Like this guy. If you has. want to do the right thing, Madison, if you will take that. But that's a good, story. Be a good person. <laughs> Let me give you one more good story. Have you guys seen the um, the video out that's out there? I'm sure you've seen it about the lion named Christian. Have I'm, you seen this guy, boy? I haven't. If it's not the cat tart thing, no, we're done with the cat tart. <laughs> it sounds but, like something on PBS weekday. It, it actually kids look, program. It looks like it looks a little like PBS. It's a video. There was there were two men from Australia, John Rendell uh, and Anthony Ace Bork, who happened to buy a lion cub from Harrods Department Store in London. And Recently, in 1969, I didn't know they stocked those. Yeah, they did. They took them <laughs> off the shelf because the expiration date. But they bought this uh, they bought this lion's cub in 1969, and ultimately they reintroduced the cub um, back into the wild by a guy named George Adamson, who was an African uh, wild conservationist, is what they called him. Anyway, they raised this pup. They had, I think, the, the pup for I think two years or so. They played with him. Tons of fun, lots of cute times running around, um, having fun. By the way, the, the, the pup, the cub, was at Harrods because a zoo had gone defunct and bankrupt. So the store picked it up and tried to sell the cub. Anyway, they played with this cub for two years. Then eventually they felt like it was a good idea to release the cub back into the wild, which would be scary. You'd think it wouldn't make it. So this conservationist said was pretty confident he could get it released, make it done, make it happen. Make it happen successfully. And they did it. And George Adamson released the cub. The cub went on and eventually ended up getting with a pride of lions and eventually became the head of the pride. And about a year or so, I guess, later, um, these two guys, John Rendall and Anthony Ace Bork, wanted to go find their cub. So they tracked down George Adamson, who had been following these prides, and found the cub leading the pride. And you say lead the pride, you're talking like he's, Mufasa from Lion King? He's the Mufasa. Gotcha. Cool. Mufasa. He is the big dog or cat. And really neat story. So you're watching this this reunion between Cub and, their, and his original owners. And you're seeing this huge kind of lion, a big lion, big lion. Not with a mane, maneless lion. It hadn't reached full maturity, I guess. But it was a big lion. And the the lion gets closer to its owners, and it sees its owners, and the owners, I think, called it. And this lion starts running towards its owners. And, and ate them. And you're thinking it's going to eat. It's dinner time. But it wasn't. This lion jumps up on these two men and just starts hugging on them. 
playing on them, licking them, rubbing the lion's neck, which would be its mane, all over the heads of these men. And they just hugged for minutes. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen next to the birth of my children. Well, <laughs> and our Christmas dinner and with you guys. And cat tart. But it was a really cool story. So what it reminded me of as we're getting into conflict resolution, you know, there's parts of us, I think, that naturally get it, that naturally get that we're just kind of people. We don't have to just react to our most base self. The lion doesn't have to eat its owners years after. But I think deep down, if we can if we cannot react and instead try to overcome the natural reactions, uh, we might be able to do more than just, you know, create great relationships. Maybe we could even resolve some conflict. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get you prepared for a little conversation about conflict resolution. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 801-422-0143 if you have any questions you want us to ask about conflict resolution or check us out on Facebook. We're answering your questions live as well. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Medical lab work, from space to the palm of your hand. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. It may be years before we send people to Mars, but medical technology developed for deep space flights is already helping people on Earth. The device is called R-Health, reusable handheld electrolyte and lab technology for humans. And in the time I took to say that, this tiny device can run dozens or more tests from just a drop or two of your blood, giving doctors accurate, inexpensive, on-the-spot test results. Our health works using microscopic pumps to move your blood cells through a nano-sized strip of reagent chemicals, which will react to marker substances in your blood. A built-in laser lights up these markers like pixels in a digital snapshot, telling your doctor the score on dozens, potentially hundreds of health parameters. The palm-sized device is self-cleaning and reusable, making it economical as well as easy to take to a bedside, disaster site, or on a deep space mission. Our health was developed in a partnership between NASA's Glenn Research Center and the DNA Medicine Institute and will change the way people take medical tests everywhere. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For those BYU radio programs you may have missed or even just want to hear again, subscribe to BYU Radio on YouTube. There you can find archived shows from programs like The Morning Show. Just search BYU Radio on YouTube and subscribe. Welcome back, my friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, Today we're talking about conflict resolution. Have you ever been in a conflict with somebody and you just couldn't get through it? Or even if it's a simple thing and you're fighting about the dumbest, craziest little things that don't even need to fight about. Well, we brought in our uh, producer here, Madison, and, uh, you know, she tells us you have conflicts that we have to resolve in every part of our life. But have you ever thought about how similar all the conflicts really are? 
Our producer, Madison Allred, shares her thoughts about the subject. We all need to resolve some conflicts in our lives, right? Whether or not it is with our spouse, children, work, or even just thinking about what is going on in the world right now, there are a lot of misunderstandings and personal issues that need to be resolved. Essentially, most of the issues in the world that are conflicts stem from the same reasons that this conflict arose from. Probably the easiest example of a conflict that is common and all know how to resolve is children fighting over a toy. So let's think about what started it. Try to remember what it was like to be one of those children. For me, it was not too long ago. I still remember being six and fighting over the TV remote with my sister. Man, it was pretty vicious. Biting, scratching, yelling, all over that TV remote. That was the only thing we ever fought over. In public, we were wonderful. We got along really well with everything except for that remote. Now I try to think back. Why? Why did I really care that much? I think I was just being selfish. Now this goes beyond the normal not wanting to share selfishness, but something where I just wanted it all. Also, that was my way to express any angry feelings towards my sister. It was a, quote, seemingly acceptable way to be able to vent my frustrations to her. And I also wanted to, you know, get her goat a little bit to get back at her. Are all of these memories starting to flood back? It does not mean that we are all bad people if we recognize this in ourselves, but we do need to control these tendencies. These predispositions also manifest themselves in a variety of other outlets, too. Let's think about large-scale groups. You have an advantage of anonymity, and you are all joined together in a purpose. For this example, I would like to use Black Friday shopping. Black Friday is just a bunch of people wanting stuff. They are acting upon feelings of greed and selfishness. Now, I'm not dissing Black Friday shopping, but at the core of the matter, that's all that we're acting upon is those feelings. As you go along Black Friday, some people actually go out of their way to disadvantage other customers. There's no reason why they should do it. They generally don't know anyone else there, but it is a way that they can vent their frustrations. Now this is where it is bad, and it's because most of the people you'll be around are strangers. Your normal limits that you would put on yourself are off because you don't know and don't care about anyone else there. This can turn deadly. An example would be this past year in Tallahassee, Florida, where two people were shot over a parking space in Walmart. They hadn't even gone in the store yet. It was just in the parking lot. Now, let's think of people in a very big group. Let's say our country. The first thing that comes to my mind is the Israel versus Palestine conflict. One of the most prominent things is they're fighting over the West Bank. Both claim it. Both say that it is theirs. They're like the kids with the remote. They kind of test each other, you know, by skirmishes in various cities, which is like the kids poking each other. It's almost inevitable that it will turn into an all-out brawl. But in this situation, there's no mom that can come in and set back both in their own corners and take away their TV privileges. So how can we prevent this? This is just a guess, but I think that if we use these points for conflict resolution with ourselves, Soon, we will handle ourselves in public and on a world scene in a similar way, and the world will be a better place. Well done, Madison. Oh, thanks. A.K.A. Medicine. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, I kind of like the idea that this is one of the big things I've noticed in my profession of working with people that fight a lot is 
most of the time we're not even fighting about the real thing. Mm-hmm. We're just fighting about, I call it the smoke, but there's the real deeper stuff that we never get to because we're trying to defend if we're right. We're defending our history, all these other things that may not even be germane to our argument today. Yeah. Have you noticed that? I totally, totally get with you. Like when I use the instance of me fighting over the remote with my sister, it really wasn't the remote for me. It was just more yeah. like, <sighs> yeah, so, don't, yeah, you're not taking my remote because exactly. remote's about power. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Every man on earth knows the remote control is about power. And I um, hate watching a movie without the remote. You need to have it. Really? I have to have yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. We've uh, got some great um, questions on Facebook. So right now we are doing some live uh, chatting, I guess, on Facebook where we'll take your questions. So if, you, if you're too afraid to call us, we won't take your calls. You can just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, contact us via Facebook. Look up Matt Townsend on Facebook. Here's a few comments. Jenny says, when facing conflict, I always try to remind myself that the relationship is more important than being right in the argument. Most people just want to be heard and their feelings validated. Let the heat of the moment subside and just let them know how much you are loved. Work out the details later. That usually works. Shauna brought up a good point. Some people seem primed for conflict, waiting to be offended, always on guard. And so uh, her question to our guest that's coming up after the break is very simply, is there anything we can do to diffuse that emotion or these reoccurring situations? Also, all the other questions, Patty, Shelly, Michelle, uh, Stacy, uh, Michelle again. So appreciate your comments. Carrie Ann, we're going to get to all of you. Uh, really, this is this is why we do the show. We want to give you the tools you need, real time, real life. Again, if you want to ask us a call to our guest um, that's coming up, Charmaine Hammond, give us a call, 801-422-0143. If not, just Facebook us. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with Charmaine and some skills to improve our conflict resolution right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. BYU Radio's Highway 89 features unedited performances from talented musicians. With genres from rock to classical and everything in between, Highway 89 can take you on a musical journey, all from the performance studio at the heart of BYU Radio. Join us for this mixtape adventure with Highway 89, Monday through Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. As part of the largest push for gun control measures in over a decade, President Barack Obama signed 23 new executive orders today. The president also announced an effort to get Congress to pass a new ban on assault weapons. The National Rifle Association is making sure everyone knows what they think of the president's new gun control push, labeling President Barack, President Obama an elitist hypocrite in a new ad which also endorses armed guards in schools. Local politicians are pushing a campaign for long-sought statehood in the District of Columbia. The effort includes a bill in the House and a PR campaign tied to President Obama's second-term inauguration. After an agonizing delay for some, a House vote today approved $50.7 billion in relief funds for victims of Hurricane Sandy. A Senate vote on the measure is scheduled for next Tuesday. FBI officials arrested 27 people this morning in New York City as part of a sweeping mafia raid. The arrests were in connection to an investigation into the mob's control of the private garbage hauling industry. 
In world news, seven Americans are among a group of 41 hostages seized in Algeria by Islamist militants who staged a raid on a gas field early this morning as part of a retaliation effort against French forces trying to end the rebellion in Mali. Despite the continued resistance, French forces are making progress in Mali against the rebel Islamists and will be joined by 3,300 more UN-backed West African soldiers by the end of the week to help end the conflict swiftly. A helicopter crash in London left two dead and 13 injured early today during morning commute hours. The chopper crashed into a crane and then exploded after hitting the ground. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Try to see it my way Do I have to keep on talking till I can go While you see it your way Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show, a little Beatles action. I just want all the listeners to know <laughs> that before we came back, I played this clip and Matt was like, who is this? Yeah. He did not know the Beatles. Yeah, it just sounds a little scratchy. Sounds scratchy. Maybe it's my ears. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. Music just, I don't, I love it. I thought it was a really good beat. I thought it was a new vibe from the from the last <laughs> from like five One Direction years. or something. Is this One Direction? Is this One Direction? <laughs> Is this uh, Nickelback? <laughs> nope, it's not. It's the Great Beatles. That's why I'm not a DJ. But um, we are talking conflict resolution, and Skyboy and I, after the show, are going to have a little conflict to resolve. Now that he brought that up, but um, you can just buy me ice cream. That'll, that, that usually resolves on the that'll, that'll fix it. But before we do that, we want to bring on our guest, Charmaine, Charmaine Hammond. Uh, she has a master's degree in conflict analysis and management. She has a BA in social development studies. She has been resolving conflict in some of the most interesting ways. Now, you think a lot of our Facebookers are, are talking about marriage is hard, you know, and some of the things in our life that were to resolve conflict. But I think Charmaine you know, tops it all out when she has been resolving conflict behind bars. Uh, she was arrested. No, she wasn't ever arrested, but she was a, she was a correctional officer. And then she took her lessons from that. And with her education, she realized that the same arguments, basically they're having behind bars, they're having in the corporate boardrooms. And she's now here on the Matt Townsend show to teach us how to better manage conflict. Charmaine, welcome to the program. Thanks. Great to be with you today. Good to have you. You must have had quite a little journey behind the old bars. <laughs> well, and when people meet me for real, they look at me and say, what? You worked in the jail? You're yeah. 4'11 and 3 quarters. Yeah, so but I bet you've got a-, a lot of tattoos, don't you, Charmaine? <laughs> <laughs> You're all tatted up. Hey, tell me this. Um, I, 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 well, I guess listen to this. I'm going to play for you. One of our producers, Tyler Mail, went out, and he just put a microphone in front of some people and asked them basically... What are some of the conflicts you deal with? See if these sound familiar to you. We were arguing on whether or not um, uh, math is a way of thinking or if it's an idea. The most silly thing that I can think that my parents have argued about with each other was how to do my younger brother's hair. There's a person, uh, he's going to build a house, and this is before... Plato and everything like that, and he's like thinking, like, how am I going to put this together? Is he using math or is he not? There's this one time I had a whole group of friends over for dinner, and my roommate and I got into a shouting match about the death of Moriarty in the books. And I mean, people were getting really uncomfortable and like inching towards the door, and I'd never been so angry at this guy ever. And then we realized that we were both claiming the same thing. Well, math is 
it's either going to be the equations that you're going to be using to figure out the right lengths of your house or whatever, or is that something else and that, well, man, you just put together. <laughs> For me, the dumbest thing that I've ever argued about with someone was um, I had to, how to do the dishwasher, you know, with roommates. Because I believe that the person saying that it did was using me. It just didn't have a name yet. I had a good five-hour talk about the different philosophies behind that and... <laughs> Wow. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. Now, remember, I, Charmaine, are these common to you? Because these, a lot of these I have never heard, and I deal with couples that fight every day. <laughs> uh, some of them I haven't heard. But, you know, the one about the dishwasher, yeah. when I was mediating separation and divorces yeah. in families, that dishwasher issue came up a it's lot. It's a big so, yeah. roommate situations. <laughs> did you notice the toilet did, too? Toilet seat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a... Uh, yep. It's interesting. Um, wh- what is it about conflict that, that, I mean, it seems like it's such a part of our life. So yeah. why is it such a big deal? Oh. That, why well, do we go off and become these really weird people that we're not? And, and why do we avoid, avoid it? This, uh, one of our um, Facebookers, Rachel, says, I avoid conflict like the plague. I've always yeah. felt frustrated with my ability to explain myself. I can't think of a conflict in my life where I felt satisfied in the end that I was understood or heard. I just want mm. to avoid it. Yeah, I think Rachel's got a great point, and I'm glad she raised that, because fear is one of the things that absolutely gets in the way of conflict. And there's so many things that people fear. We fear acting weird or looking weird. Some people get really emotional in conflict, and they're fear- fearful of breaking down into tears or being really honest with their feelings. Mm. A lot of people fear the outcome. What if this gets worse instead of better? And I think a lot of times people fear their own ability to manage the situation. They don't feel confident in their own skills to have a conversation that works. I, I totally, and don't you notice, I mean, where would we learn to do that? We'd have to learn yeah. it at home, but we're not <laughs> learning it in school usually. We're not learning, I mean, we, we, need, we all need like a human interactions class. Yeah, it's an important skill set, and, and you're right. We, le- we learn conflict resolution at a very early age. So if we grow up in a family where mom and dad are avoiding conflict, something uncomfortable happens and they both leave the room and the conversation never continues, it's ended, then people often learn to avoid conflict. And as a child, when I was working in the – when I was an adult working in mediation and families, I would often see kids – um, get really uncomfortable when a certain word was mentioned because in that child's mind they were probably thinking, oh, no, right. don't ask that. This is going to create problems. So those experiences play out time and time again in our adult world. Oh, that's such – it's such a big deal. And um, tell me really, though, I mean, there's got to be some people out there saying, well, but I'm a peacemaker. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> And what's the problem if we do take a role in our life, or is there one, if if we just avoid it? Let's just, I mean, I know people that the minute the conflict starts, they just leave the room. Yeah. Right? So is, what's yeah. the real downside long term to just full on avoidance of it? 
So here, here's a short way to look at it. This is a quote by uh, Judge Esty, and Judge Esty said, conflict isn't like wine. It doesn't get better with age. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so really, the longer the conflict sits, the, the worse it becomes, the, the more people become involved, because you know what it's like in conflict. You tell a friend, and they tell a friend. Oh, yeah. Before, before long, there's 30 people involved in the conflict that really don't have a direct role. So letting that go on can bring more people into the conflicts and really stir the pot. The second thing that can happen is while we're not talking about the issue, our emotions are being charged. So we're talking to ourselves about it. In our head, we're having these conversations and getting more irritated, and so it, it can affect the relationship. And the third outcome of not resolving conflicts is that they start to pile up, and we we walk through the world carrying this baggage that gets really heavy to carry. Ugh. And then, I mean, and then it doesn't go away. I, I've even noticed that right. <laughs> you can divorce it away, you think, but you still take this, this conflict pattern with you. You're still yeah. avoidant or you're still – so some tend to be, I guess, the avoiders, right? And then some tend to be the fighters that are, bring mm-hmm. it on now, now. In fact, some of yeah. our uh, Facebookers are, are even bringing that up. Um, Janae brought up the fact that her husband kind of likes to duke it out in the moment, get things done, kind of is more of an escalator of these conversations. And she, you know, she just kind of likes it to be calm and, mm-hmm. and, not, and not even have to deal with it that way. Is that fairly normal? Yeah, yeah, actually, um, in the world of conflict resolution, there's several different ways that people resolve conflict. Some of them are accommodators, which means that they really try to accommodate someone else's wishes uh, to get peace in the relationship. Challenge with that, if we do it all the time, is we begin to feel like we are giving in. I'm always having to give in right. to get the peace. And then there's certainly what we call the competitive style, which is, is what the situation you just described. There's the avoidance style, and then there's what we call a collaborative style, which is really the style of two people working together, even though it's uncomfortable, but working together to find a solution that works for everyone involved. It takes longer to use that style because, of course, we've got to be in involved in, in the, the dialogue with each other, listen to one another, but that's where real resolution happens. Oh, it's such a big deal. And, and, and these, um, there's, it seems like there's these triggers that go off, and when the trigger goes off, I guess most of us just pick up whatever tool we're most used to, whether it's accommodating, avoiding. What was the third exactly. one? Exactly. There was accommodation. There's accommodating, avoidance, and then there's the competitive style, oh, yeah, and like then that's the game. Yeah, that's kind of like the game on. Game on, yeah. Let's just see how that one's going to go. Um, but uh, what what are some of the other triggers that, that seem to kind of set off? I don't know if you heard our story earlier oh. about the lion. Did you hear about the, the lion we were talking about that was no, reunited? No, I that one. But it's just a great story about a lion cub that was raised by two men for a couple of years, and then the men decided to go release it back into the wild. Anyway, about a year later, there was a reunion, and everyone was saying, this lion's not going to remember who you are, and he, oh, it's going to come okay. rip you up. And um, basically, it didn't rip him up. This lion did remember it, and I, I kind of believe it's like that 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 animal yeah. side of us, that fight or flight side of us, recognized that it was safe with these men, and it was the most incredible welcome home scene you've ever seen between wow. a full grown lion and a and these men. But it almost seems like sometimes with our partners, what we trigger is that animal fight or flight yeah. instinct. Um, but what are the triggers? What what are the things that actually 
set me off because I, I think I get a lot of women that say I don't know what to say to my husband because it's almost like whatever I say it makes him mad right sometimes it's actually not what we say in fact in communication people listen less to what we say and more to how we say it so that doesn't mean go and say whatever you want to somebody right. but what it really challenges to do is make sure that our nonverbal communication matches the words that we're saying so I'll give you an example I remember when I was mediating years ago, I had uh, one of my clients who said, I'm really interested in what you have to say. They're, but their body language said, basically, stop talking and end this conversation. Yeah. So what happened is immediately the emotions got pretty hot in that room because the other person was focusing on what they saw with their partner not what the partner said. So we've got to really match, have congruence between what we say and how we say it. The other triggers, though, that really get in the way are certain words. I'll give you a great example in marriages. I, I've always said that in marriages, there's one word we need to remove from the, the language, and that's the word you yeah. said that way. Of course, the word you innocently is no problem. Or but like you are beautiful. That's yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. Stick with that. <laughs> Me like <laughs> that when one. You say, yeah. When you say, you never, you yeah. always, you should have, it assigns blame. And then, like you said, that fight-or-flight reaction kicks in, and then we resort to these habits that don't serve us very well. Mm. And and what, well, I guess once that fight-or-flight kicks in, I mean, the odds drop that anything's going to go well here. Um, <laughs> but also, it's almost like... Things that are not permissible become permissible. That's probably what you saw in prison. Everybody in prison yeah. was justified to be there in their mind because someone else probably crossed them. Yes. And in yes, reality, exactly. once you're chemically crossed, it doesn't make your actions right. You know what I mean? It doesn't make becoming mm-hmm. a fighter uh, and a competitive communicator, it doesn't increase the healthiness just because you're more aggressive. It just mm-hmm. It just makes the whole thing fall faster. Yeah, and that's one of the real challenges for people in communication is is you're in a conversation, you're actually managing a lot. You're managing the conversation, you're managing the process of listening and receiving that information and then carefully wording your response, and then you're also managing your emotions. And when emotions get in the way, that can take the conversation on a completely different path. And the one tip I always share with people is breathe. I mean, it's free and we have to do it anyway. Yeah. But what happens is we get stressed in that moment, we stop breathing properly, our body starts to sense that stress, and then we start saying things where we act weird or we become really defensive. <laughs> that's, I never thought of the breathing, but that's huge. It's huge. That's why I always get lightheaded in my arguments. <laughs> I was like, I got to sit down. I'm getting dizzy. I'm yelling so hard. Here. Uh, Charmaine, this is great stuff. We're going to take a break. Uh, we have a lot of uh, people on Facebook that are following us right now, and we have some great questions for you when we come back. We're talking to Charmaine Hammond, who has a master's degree in conflict analysis and management. She's, uh, she's provided support in conflict, um, both in the prison as well as in the corporate boardrooms. Amazingly, she's finding out seems to be pretty much the same pattern, whether in or out of jail. We're going to take a break. If you would like to ask us some questions, please feel free to give us a call. We'll get them right to Charmaine, get you on the air, 801-422-0143, or go straight to the Facebook, uh, my Facebook page. Look for Matt Townsend, and on uh, my page, we will answer your questions there. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
What's cooking? In solar cell production. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Solar cell makers put their products through some pretty tough torture tests to make sure their silicon wafers hold up during the stress of assembly and installation. The toughest test? Baking the wafers at 900 degrees Celsius, then cooling them to reduce impurities, strengthen electrical junctions, optimize crystal formation, and catch defects early. A new kind of furnace for these tests has been developed by the Department of Energy and National Renewable Energy Laboratory, and it's the hottest idea in the industry. Called the optical cavity furnace, it uses high-intensity light trapped inside ceramic reflectors instead of traditional heating methods. OCF puts all its heat into the wafers instead of the air around them, and it doesn't need complicated cooling systems to keep from melting itself. The OCF uses less than half as much power to do the same job better, a result of the Department of Energy's SunShot initiative. The savings it brings to cell production will help toward the goal of lowering solar power costs to $0.06 cents a kilowatt by the end of the decade. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. time to time, we all face relationship challenges that involve friends, family members, or neighbors. Licensed therapist Julie Hanks helps you discover healthy alternatives for dealing with your struggles and for enhancing the quality of your life. Tune in to The Julie Hanks Show, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Oh, hollow notes. You got to love these uh, two. I can't go for that. It just brings a good vibe. It also makes me want to wear bell bottoms. Don't even know why. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Dr. Matt Townsend. We're talking conflict resolution here. We've got our expert on the line here, Charmaine Hammond, has a master's degree in conflict analysis and management. She's also been resolving conflict behind bars. She was a correctional officer. I think she said she was under five foot. Is that correct, Charmaine? <laughs> that is. But I got to be honest, in the 80s, I was five two because I had big hair. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Always include the hair. Yes. In the eighties, yeah, that was what was great about the eighties. Is you could always pick up a couple more inches at least. Oh yeah, and then throw on a pair of heels, and I'm five oh. five all of a sudden. Did you like our Hall and Oates song there? Did that bring back any I memories? I did. I was dancing. That a girl. I can't go for that. Now the cool thing about Charmaine though is she's been resolving uh, these conflicts behind the bars. She's also been doing this in the boardroom. And um, let me kind of ask you this: one of our um, Facebook. Uh, viewers, uh, where did it go? Is really a good one. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I'm just scrolling. But uh, what she said is, how do you feel, um, or how do you deal with a person? This is Allison. How do you deal with a person who attacks when he feels wrong? It could be a she, I'm sure, also. When he or she feels wrong in an effort to not feel inferior and to put the blame back on the other person. Because it seems like a lot of this is about, I call it obfuscation, like where we're, they're just throwing dust up in the air to create chaos. 
Yes, yes. You know, one of the what, that's one of the challenges because often people present their position in such a demanding or assertive, even sometimes aggressive way. And then, of course, the person on the receiving it immediately, their stomach is in knots. They're you know they're nervous, and then they often respond in a defensive way. So one of the best things you can do is actually slow that conversation down and realize that their comments may not have anything to do with you. Right. It could be some of the chatter that they've got going on in their mind. It could have been what happened 10 minutes before the conversation. But the best strategy, instead of making a statement to defend yourself or yeah. to, to uh, prove them wrong, the best thing we can do is actually ask a question. And the best type of question in these scenarios are what we call those open-ended questions. They are who, what, where, when, why, and how. And what you want to do is, is to diffuse those moments as you want to get the person talking more about the problem instead of the blame. So it, it requires some self-control right. on our part not to get, kind of to throw ourselves into the fight. And so asking them more questions, it can slow the conversation down and help you get to the real heart of the matter. What is really behind the issue to that person? Why are they putting out blame or why are they coming across so assertively? Yeah, I think, uh, oh, that is such a, that's such a good point because... It's really kind of more, I guess, about trying – the questions allow more information to to come from yeah. them. And and it also seems that it, that actually lowers their energy because they're able to talk. Mm-hmm. So so you, exactly. you get it going that way. You I guess you too, if, if you're not careful with your tone, you could actually come off too as being like argumentative like, or like – it depends on how you're firing your questions. If you're, yeah. if you're like, isn't it true – that on the night of November nineteenth, if you're if you're trying to catch them, they're going to get that. Right. So the spirit behind it is big as well, isn't it? It's huge. And so one of the things that I used to do when I was working with clients in conflict resolution, I would say you've got to really frame your conversation. So before you step forth through that doorway or sit down in that chair, just take a moment to plant some seeds of what I call hope in your brain. So instead of saying, "Oh, I'm dreading this. This is going to be awful," right. instead saying to yourself, we can get through this. Yeah. It's simply a conversation. When we set it up for dread and challenge, the way we speak to that person actually takes on that tone. So you're absolutely right. The tone that starts with our mindset and then ends with our words is critical for success. I think that's a, a great idea um, and a great point because if you notice, and I know you've seen this, is once I've found that a couple can get it and they do it and they actually start resolving conflict together, they actually learn it's not that big of a threat or that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And then they get yeah. they actually get confident in it and and then you can almost solve you can solve anything. Yes, absolutely. And I actually worked with some couples when I was mediating in family situations where we would create a set of I called them courtesies, but really they were ground rules. But mm-hmm. ground rules feels um, you know, rules are made to be broken. But we'd set courtesies. So they would talk about the way in which they wanted to be spoken to. Every single time, 100% of the, the situations, somebody said, I just want to finish my sentence without you interrupting. Perfect. So they would set goals and uh, they would set guidelines and say, we're each going to give each other the chance to finish the thought without interruption. And then we're going to wait three seconds. It's called the three-second rule. Mm-hmm. Three seconds before we jump in. See, that that's now being intentional. And you're doing that because you're you're divorcing this couple, I'm assuming, and they're having to talk through this at the time. But I, I, I did the same thing, and I found that once they started learning rules and they started having some success, 
um, it starts to work. That's actually where I turned my whole business around from being a mediator to just instead just teaching people how to talk like that. Because yeah. all of a the sudden, they realize that, holy cow, we're having the best divorce we could have ever imagined. And then you're thinking, yeah, imagine what would happen if you could learn this before you had to divorce. It's powerful, <laughs> isn't it? It is, and that's the path that my career took me to. I, I start, people started seeing this transformative, transformative change, but it's also tools that we can use with our children, and you know, and our family members, external or uh, sort of extended family members. It's also a skill we can use in the workplace. So it really does work anywhere. I love that. Tell me about the re- when you talk about resolution. Um, one of your points is that people think that they solve the problem. Do you remember that? Yeah. What is that about? Oh, well, you know, resolution is really, uh, what I found is that resolution, a lot of times people don't actually get to real resolution because what happens is they have a conversation, they feel relieved, they shake hands or hug, and they think it's over. But then what doesn't happen is they don't necessarily change their behavior. The problem comes up again. And so one of the best ways to evolve uh, sort of, stop these issues from reoccurring is to really come up with a true resolution, which requires a few things. It requires that conversation, and it requires a bit of an agreement to change. And so it's a process that also helps resolve the issue. Yeah, you said, and you said, I guess, as part of this process, one of the points you brought up is this need to slow it down. Mm-hmm. I always point out that it's so interesting when we're in a fight um, and it's getting so tense it tends to get louder. It tends to get faster. It tends to get with le- more breathy, more screeching. And I sit yeah. there and I, I always joke with people, okay, so if you had one opportunity to communicate something to somebody that would save your child's life, mm-hmm. how would you go about communicating that? Would you speed up or slow down? Would you mm-hmm. raise your voice or calm your voice? Would you try to be more neutral? Would you pause between what you're saying? Would you ask them to repeat it back? And almost always, when we want to be effective, we go the exact opposite of the way we normally do when we, when we go reactive. Yes. Yeah, and, I see that a lot. And too. you keep bringing that up over and over, that this is more of a process that's intentional instead of just something that's reactive that we do. If we keep doing it reactively, it's not going to work. If you make it intentional, where we have some ground rules, and we make mm-hmm. an actual resolution that we can live by, you're saying that's a key. Yes. Absolutely. One of the best ways we can uh, lead these conversations to a peaceful resolution is to practice. One of the things that I've discovered is that many of us spend more time picking the clothes we're going to wear to work, what we're going to have for dinner, planning our vacations, than we do practicing and preparing for the conversations that matter most. And the best way to prepare is before that conversation is to just go off by yourself, take a few notes, write down point form notes about what you would like to say to that other person. Then you grab the piece of paper and you go into the washroom, tell your family you're going to be in there talking to yourself. Mama's going to the bathroom talking to herself. (laughs) And then you practice. You have a conversation with the mirror. The beautiful part of having the conversation with the mirror is you will instantly see when your face goes red because you've hit an uncomfortable part of the talk. Right. You'll see where you're getting emotional, and then you keep practicing until it feels comfortable. Because what happens is when you go into a conversation and you feel comfortable, you lower the fear of the other people that are in the dialogue with you. Yeah, and everybody knows that. I mean, it's intuitive. We know that. So if, yep. we, if we can be at peace... 
we can bring everyone else to peace. And that's what you see even just going in to sit down with a mediator like you, Charmaine, is that you're, you're calm in the space. You, you know how to handle it. You're more used to it than most of us. We're talking with Charmaine Hammond, um, who is has a master's degree in conflict analysis and management. She's teaching us how to deal with conflict. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, though, we're going to get more solutions from Charmaine, tools, ideas to get, a, to get some real help on this. If you would like to ask her a question, please give us a call, 801-422-0143. We'll put you on the, the phone and, and let you ask that question. Um, also, if you want, you can just Facebook us. Check me out on uh, Facebook. Just look up Matt Townsend. You'll find our show, and you can post your question, and we'll present it to Charmaine. We'll be back uh, beating up this idea of bad conflict. You don't have to have a bad conflict. You could just talk. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. For updates on the shows, sports, and the rest of BYU Radio's material, like us on Facebook. Then, let us know what you think of the program you're listening to. Give us feedback, ask questions, and connect with other BYU Radio listeners. Just search BYU Radio on Facebook and click Like. BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama announced today that on top of 23 new executive orders meant to help reduce gun violence, he will also be urging Congress to renew the assault weapons ban and require more background checks on anyone purchasing a firearm. The National Rifle Association is making sure everyone knows what they think of the president's new gun control push, labeling the president an elitist hypocrite in a new ad which also endorses more armed guards in schools. Local officials in the District of Columbia are making a large PR push for statehood in conjunction with President Obama's second term inauguration. They are also bringing up the issue in the House of Representatives. A House vote finally approved $50.7 billion in aid for victims of Hurricane Sandy, which hit over two months ago. The measure will go into the Senate floor next Tuesday. FBI officials arrested 27 people this morning in New York City as part of a sweeping mafia raid. The arrests were connected to an, into an investigation into the mob's control of the private garbage hauling industry. In international news, seven Americans are among a group of 41 hostages seized in Algeria by Islamist militants who staged a raid on a gas field early this morning. The State Department has not released any details about the hostages in order to help protect their safety. Despite continued resistance from Islamist rebels, French forces are making progress in Mali and will be joined by 3,300 more UN-backed West African soldiers by the end of the week to help end the conflict swiftly. A helicopter crash in central London left two dead and 13 more wounded early today during the morning commute hours. The chopper crashed into a crane and then exploded after hitting the ground. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Anything you can do, I can do better. 
I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm greater than you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Now, Charmaine, uh, we're talking to Charmaine Hammond who is a, basically a mediator, conflict resolution expert. Charmaine, when you hear these people fighting, Doris Day, I don't remember who the man was, does it just remind you of most of your clients? <laughs> well, it was funny when I was listening to the song, I, I was dancing, i got to confess, but I was also saying, ask a question, ask a question. <laughs> See, you're because going right the to the content. what breaks that back and forth. That, that competition kind of goes back to one of our first points by Janae, which is simply, um, or and Carrie, is, which is simply, you got to decide, are you here to be right? Yes. Or are you here to get understanding and be effective? What's yeah, our goal here? Yeah, I think it was here? a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so as we get more into the Charmaine, help, help me out. Again, what we're seeing on Facebook with, um, actually it was Jenny, I think, that made that point about being right. But what I'm noticing is a lot of these, uh, a lot of the people on Facebook are talking about there's the pattern, the pattern Mm -hmm. of the husband. No, you can't. Yes, you can. Uh, One of them tends to be more prone to have the conversation or the fight. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't. A lot of people just are going to be avoidant. And that kind of becomes the pattern. But um, one of the things you're saying is we ask the question. We don't, you know, we ask a question with a really good tone. Um, who, what, when, where, why? Maybe not why. What do you think about the why question? Well, the why question, it's all in how you say it. I tend to use the word what instead of why. Yeah. Because often why? when we use oh, why, we say, why'd you do it that way? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that that just creates a, a conflict. Well, and uh, sometimes there's not a great answer that will help me mm-hmm. save face when I say yeah. why. Like... So why did you why why'd you show up late and even though you know it was our anniversary why why'd you do that like well I'm an idiot okay flat out I'm an idiot so why puts us in a weird box doesn't it what are some what are some other bits of advice you've got for us one of the other bits I think is really important to talk about is the opportunity to to do what we call the mulligan so for all of you listening that play golf the mulligan is the do over. Often in conflict, especially in relationships we, that we're working to maintain, so a family relationship or a workplace relationship, sometimes what we say doesn't land right. We can all say we've experienced that. We, we say something out of emotion, and then we walk away thinking, oh, you know, I wish I didn't say it that way. Right. And then we beat ourselves up. So the first step is forgiving yourself so that you can then go back and correct the situation. And I have in my personal relationships, I went back with a friend about three months after we had had a conversation, and I said something that I just wasn't happy with how it landed. I don't even think she noticed. But three months later, I said, you know, I just want to talk about that night we went out for dinner, and and I had said such and such, and I felt really bad about how it landed. And she said, oh, I don't remember. And so I... (laughs) Sorry, well, I brought it up. I was, yeah, I wiped my brow and thought, you know, here I was for three months feeling bad about it. She didn't even remember it. So the lesson for me was when you, when you don't feel good about how something's landed, simply forgive yourself and then take the opportunity to correct it and do the do-over. I love so a mulligan. Person and, yeah. That's the only Mulligans way I get through great. a golf game is you've got to have a do-over, and then every once in a while I just grab the ball and throw it as far as I can. <laughs> and move it down the field a bit. Um, 
so I, I love the mulligan, and, and I also like the fact that you're kind of suggesting what we need is to be more, um, I call it real, but more overt about what we're mm-hmm. doing. So by having a mulligan yeah. and having language that we share where you can just say, oh, okay, can I get a mulligan on that one? I really blew that one. And exactly. if your partner and if you guys create those words together, then I mean, you might make up your own word. Can I get a do-over? Can I get a whatever, a burnt mm-hmm. biscuit? I don't care what you call it. <laughs> but in the end, um, you're just saying we create a language together that's ours to help us negotiate through this. And then we can use that language later. Exactly. And what it does is it really builds authenticity in the relationship. It builds mutual responsibility. We learn to count on our partner differently. We know it, it also builds a lot of confidence because every conflict that you get th- go through together, even if it's awkward and uncomfortable, but you get through it, it builds success for all the future ones that will come. I mean, there are going to be conflicts in relationships. So the yeah. more um, success you create, it helps the future discussions. And you really see this all works the same at home as you saw it work in jail. I mean, there might be little caveats with certain yeah. people. But, um, I mean, you know, the guy that's on death row has got nothing to lose. So, but, but there's also the deal when you go to work, but these same principles apply. Mm-hmm. I mean, does it, does it get harder? Or I mean, it seems like I don't have people that have these horrendous conflicts at work. I always have everyone saying, I don't have these problems at work. I only have them with Mm -hmm. you. You ever heard that? Yeah. Yeah, I hear that a lot. And now my my world has taken me, so I'm not mediating as much as I am going into companies and teaching people how to resolve conflict with these skills. And I hear that a lot. What's interesting in the workplace is that a lot of times um, uh, there's an author, Patrick Lencioni, and he calls it superficial harmony. So on the outside, it looks like everything's great, yet you get in the walls of that, that office and you learn that things are kind of shaky. So, mm. But what's different is that workplaces, we tend to speak far more conservatively and cautiously than we do with the people that we, that we live with. So we often um, kind of minimize some of the conflicts because we're communicating more carefully. But nonetheless, these skills we've talked about today absolutely work in the workplace. Um, do you do you sense Janae asked the question about timing? Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like a lot of our problems also might just be the timing that we're bringing up some of these issues. You know, yes. Like if your wife has a migraine, it's probably not a good time to bring up certain <laughs> issues. That's right. Or as your husband's leaving to run an errand or take the kids to soccer, and right. he's almost out the door. That's not the time. I'm really glad that she brought that question up because that's one of the first steps to conflict resolution is is you've got to have the right time and the right place for that dialogue. And then the second part is that you really have to be prepared to carefully understand and know what the issue is. What often happens, especially in marriages, we start off talking about one issue and then all of a sudden all these other issues that are unrelated kind of crop up and our agenda is now 32 items. And it becomes too overwhelming. Right. You can't do that. No. So one issue, right time and right location. So picking a, usually a neutral um, location in the home is a great place to meet. Hey, what would that, that look neutral. like? Because in, sometimes in my home, I don't feel like there's a neutral location. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's been there all day. She's kind of set a lot of yeah, things up. Yeah, usually couples say it's sort of the living room or the den or the, the, Garage. the, uh, the kitchen area, <laughs> the backyard. That's it's interesting that but that a neutral space in a neutral time um with 
some I mean, and it could be you, you, it's not an interrogation. It's not a and it doesn't, by the way, I guess, have to last that long, does it? Or no. does it? Well, you know, it needs to last as long as the conversation needs to stay productive. Um, sometimes what happens, I used to see this a lot, where the conversation starts to feel like it's moving to success and the stress is going down. Sometimes one of the partners wants to take that opportunity to then discuss other issues. Yeah, can I throw one more thing on the fire? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so what I have learned is that once you're talking about one issue and the shoulders are going down, people are breathing slowly, you're feeling relief, you're all, you've got the conflict resolved, End it on that note and always thank your partner for taking that time to have that conversation, especially if that person is one that avoids conflict because it was probably intensely uncomfortable for them to be engaged in the dialogue. That is such a good point. And it's, uh, I mean, to say thank you. And I, mm-hmm. if I were you, I'd also go have some ice cream. Yeah, ice cream's my favorite treat. I would say pull out the ice cream and have a bowl of chocolate mint. Yeah, it just it's the best way to get through it all. Now, sure, you'll gain a lot of weight, but you know what? You'll be together and you'll be happy. Uh, I love I love those ideas. Um, what uh, one of the things I guess I, I kind of noticed um, that that helps people process, and you probably noticed this just mediating is when they're processing um, when people are thinking and listening. And not just immediately reacting, uh, there's a lot of new learning that can go on. Do you, do you believe that, how do you feel about people writing down what the other's saying to remember it so they can, when, they, when it's their turn? I think that can be a brilliant strategy. The, the, the caution would be, if you're going to take notes, let your partner know that you're taking notes and why, because it can actually create kind of a weird feeling. Why are you taking notes? Right. What are you doing with those? Who's yeah. those for? Would you mind if and I videotape this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> so again, it really comes down to just showing integrity and just say that um, some, what I've heard people say is that I just want to stay focused on the conversation. I'm just going to take a couple point form notes so I don't go off on a tangent. And you can use that same skill in the workplace. So when I'm doing team building and training in the workplace, I do that same um, that same courtesy. If people are taking notes, it's really fair for everybody in the room to know why the notes are being taken and what's going to be done with them. It helps build and restore trust. Yeah, that's great. You, you can't get enough of that, can you? The trust mm. thing. That's a big yeah, deal. Yeah, it's, it's a huge deal. Tell me what you mean by bounce it forward. Mm. Bounce it forward. When I worked in the jails years ago, I learned... By the way, that's, a, that's a comment you just made, not to interrupt, Charmaine, but very yeah. few people will ever say, hey, when I worked in the jail system, <laughs> so you just, won, you just won a free candy. <laughs> Thank you. That's cool. That's, I always say, when I was in Vietnam, which yeah. I never was, but uh, so when you were in the jail system, what did you learn? I learned that from the inmates and the staff that a lot of people were stuck. They were stuck in conflicts that had ended years ago. They were stuck in relationships that didn't serve them well, stuck in communication and coping patterns that were causing them bigger problems in life. And then when I left that career, went to working in the corporate world, I noticed the same thing in the organizations that I worked with. And I thought, boy, people are not bouncing back from conflict. Many people are struggling to move forward after adversity in life. And I thought, gosh, there's got to be something more to resilience. So when I opened up my business and started doing team building and training, uh, I started to see that resilience is really about 
experiencing a challenge. So that could be a conflict, a change in the workplace or in the family. And instead of bouncing back to where you were, which is sort of being in the drama of it all, we kind of stand up, brush off our knees, lean forward, and keep moving. And that helps us grow and, and continue to um, experience more and more success in our family and our, and our business life. It's really, it's a, it's a great metaphor. Um, and we do, we get stuck. And when we're stuck, mm-hmm. it's just, then no wonder you want to just keep kind of regurgitating all of this venom and just keep yeah. pushing it back on each other because you're so stuck in that pain. But man, if you could get a good vision of what you want your relationship to look for look like Mm -hmm. that's maybe what makes it easier a little bit of work to sometimes go ask for the for the raise because we have a clear idea what we kind of want and it's it's kind of it's coming out of more of a positive hope than a Mm -hmm. fearful uh, position yes in in communication I would always hear in family dialogue people saying I don't want you doing that anymore I don't want things to be this way and one of the most powerful questions you can ask is simply say something like, I really get what you don't want. Tell me what you do want. Oh, I Let love me hear that. that. And what you're doing is you're reframing the conversation. It's very powerful yeah. because you can together work on solving what they do want, but you can't undo the past. You can only move forward from it and learn and change things. And what most of us would say is, oh, my word, you're so negative. And we just, <laughs> we just create more energy that way instead of saying, okay, I get what you want. Tell me what you, Mm -hmm. or I get what you don't want. Let's talk about what you do want. Help me understand that better. Boy, what Mm -hmm. a powerful question that is. So, so if, if let's just say a housewife sitting there and she really has an issue, she wants to talk to her partner about, he comes home, he doesn't want to talk about it because every time we talk, we get into a fight. Mm -hmm. You could say, I know you don't want to have a fight. Tell me what you do want when it comes to our conflicts and our, and our discussions. Mm -hmm. What could we do? to make it better. Absolutely. Powerful. Yeah, that's a great open-ended question. What, uh, give us, we have about a minute left. What, and by the way, the people on Facebook are eating you up. So if people <laughs> want to get a hold of you, um, Charmaine Hammond is her name, but they can go to a few places. Hammond International, that's what they look for on Facebook, right? Hammond yeah. International. Mm-hmm. And or if they go to if they want uh, Twitter, uh, your Twitter feed, it's Hammond Group Biz. Yes, that's Twitter. Do you have a website or I do. They can come on over to Hammond Group Biz or CharmaineHammond.com. And if you've got questions, folks, I love the fact that you're chattering so much on Facebook. It's a great topic to, to start communication. So if you've got questions I didn't answer today, send them over on Facebook or, or email me. I'd be happy to give you a response. Love it. Give me one more point. What's the one thing? Okay, We always call this the one thing mm-hmm. that makes the biggest difference. If we had to do one thing today to improve our communication and conflict mm-hmm. with another, what's the one thing? I would say the homework for today would be to figure out what your triggers are. What are the words that set you off? And make an agreement with yourself that from this day forward, it's just not that deep. You're just not going to get that bothered by those words anymore or by those triggers anymore. Perfect. Charmaine Hammond, we're going to have you back. You are awesome. (laughs) Thank you. It was great being on the show with you today. My favorite 4'11 person. (laughs) Is your hair a lot shorter, Char? 
Yeah, I'm still four eleven and three quarters now. You know no what? poofy hair. That's good. Atta girl. <laughs> You're holding steady at four foot eleven and a half. <laughs> Charmaine Hammond, appreciate you again. Go check her out. Um, Hammond International, Hammond Group Biz dot com, was it? Yeah, uh, yeah, Hammond Group dot biz. Yeah. Yeah, Hammond Group dot biz. Sorry, and. Uh, Check her out. Great stuff. We're going to come back, wrap up the show. We're talking conflict resolution. When we come back, we're going to be discussing some of the biggest, most popular conflicts you may have heard about in the news. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A new eye on the sky sees the air in 3D. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Pilots depend on airport weather reports, but for 75 years, the best data they could get were glimpses from weather balloon launches, like snapshots of the weather at one fixed time of the day. Thanks to an improved microwave radiometer by Radiometrics Corporation, instead of those snapshots, scientists now have the equivalent of live 3D video of what's happening in the atmosphere out to 30 miles away. Radiometrics says the microwave radiometer can see icing conditions, measure temperatures, humidity, precipitation, and winds at high altitudes, all from the ground. Developed from circuitry originally used for cell phones and hooked to the internet for fast reporting, the radiometer detects the faint energy, only a trillionth of a watt, emitted from atmospheric water vapor and oxygen molecules in motion. The unit is undergoing field tests and is already paying off, from perfecting local weather forecasts for the last Olympic Games to gathering new data about cloud formation for better global climate models, even enabling utilities to predict and anticipate load changes due to changing weather conditions. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping it up. We've been talking about conflict resolution with Charmaine Hammond. Uh, Great guest. Great insight. Again, we've been also doing a little live Facebooking. Appreciate you all who were involved in that. Great discussions, great questions. It's interesting when you do the live Facebook, um, it documents a lot of the stupid things I say. There's a lot more than you thought there would be, huh? Come on, man. I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) You're killing me. You're killing me. Now, like, I did not really say burnt biscuit. I'm pretty sure you did. You did. I heard it. I did? Yeah. Well, I didn't mean it. (laughs) That's what I always hear from my kids. I didn't mean it, Daddy. So um, Robbie's got something for us here. Rob's got some of the universal conflicts that have just been plaguing America. Think about conflicts that exist in business and in sports and in literature and just about everywhere. Prison. You know, think about sports. What's a big conflict in sports? Um, Is uh, is bowling a sport? That's a conflict. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm thinking more uh, Yankees versus Red oh, Sox. Oh, like a rivalry. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, I'm still that's, on the bowling that's team. A, <laughs> Matt versus the pins. Yeah, Matt versus gonna, the I'm gutter. I'm get beat up by some guy in a bowling jacket. <laughs> Matt versus the bowling foul line. <laughs> so that's a good one. Matt Yankees versus, versus the bowling Red computer Sox. where he enters his name. That's exactly. Oh, no, anyway, start there. Uh, Yankees versus Red Sox, huge rivalry. Yeah. Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, that's a huge one. I mean, even here among BYU fans. BYU-Utah. University of Utah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? And you'd think there would be like a huge rivalry between universities like BYU or Notre Dame, two religious rivals, but you know what? No, because we don't always play at the same level. And it's not as easy. (laughs) Well, yeah, for one... uh, you got to play at the same level or it's really not a rivalry. Yeah, so it's kind of more we just get really excited if Notre Dame has a bad week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. What are some more rivalry or just uh, conflicts? Cars. Cars. Okay, let me think of this. Uh, Okay, I'm thinking like a muscle car or like, uh, no, brands. American versus like Japanese brands. Yeah, and then that's more recently. Ferrari. But traditionally – Think about all the guys with their pickup trucks. What was the big rivalry? Oh, Ford and Chevy. Yeah, Ford and Chevy. Ford, fix or repair daily. <laughs> hey, they've, they've gotten a lot better. Is there a bad one for Chevy? I don't know. There should oh, be. Oh, dang I think, it. Uh, Well, I feel bad because I just dissed Ford. <laughs> I like Fords. Um, cars. Okay, what else? Well, before we walk away from Ford and Chevy. Oh, we, we're in cars. Do you land. know the rivalry is international? Really? If you go down to Australia... There will be people outside of a bar duking it out. Or down in Australia, maybe they call it a pub. Whatever it is. Duking it out hole. over a, a watering hole. Ford versus Holden. Ooh. And Holden is the Australian badge for General Motors vehicles. Interesting. So it's a Ford and Chevy, except it's a— uh, It's the same fight. It's the same fight. It's just really about down superiority. Under. That's why I drive a Honda. You know, I think <laughs> just kidding. I'm not a big pickup truck guy, but I can honestly say Honda has lost the pickup, pickup war. truck war between because even Toyota has their big giant Tundra truck to get out yeah. there and compete. But let's talk about the real war that's being won by Honda. Whose cars are stolen the most? Um, Honda used to be Honda. Yeah, we used to dominate in cars. Then they started still. to put ignition. You know, where you actually have to put a key in it. Now they aren't stolen as much. Yeah. So whatever. Uh, think Doesn't about technology. Matter. Big rivalry there. Uh, Apple um, and PC. Yeah, Mac or PC. Although now we're kind of losing out to Apple against everybody. Cause you against have, the Google apps. Well, yeah, Apple versus yeah. Google with mm-hmm. the mobile world. Uh, online, you have Apple versus Amazon for music and Why movies. Why are we all fighting? We don't need to fight this much. We can all be friends. Everybody's you, a winner. You can all fix whatever computer I bring in. Well, I can't touch the Macs. I don't understand it. That nine-year-old probably can. Oh, yeah. about earlier. <laughs> you know what? My favorite uh, going back a long ways is the cat dog. Cat versus dog. We know, obviously. I, I was talking about that cartoon. No. <laughs> cat but, dog. No. But a, do- a, a dog can easily shred a cat. So it's not even really an argument. It depends on the size of the dog. My aunt and uncle have a tiny little dog and this ferocious cat. Okay, that's I, not a dog. My money is definitely on the cat. No, that's that. a rat. It's a rat-bred dog. A giant tabby versus a toy poodle. 
<laughs> not quite, not quite a fair fight. You got more. Politics is all about it, right? The whole oh, Mitt yeah. Romney Obama thing that went yeah, on. Anytime Nos- there's an election, yeah. two political parties. But even if you go back in time, you had uh, Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Oh yeah, that turned out weird. That's that's something. Thankfully, we don't see regularly. However, the gun lobby would love it. No, I don't know. No, um, I don't know. <laughs> it would, be, but it's you know that was that was weird. That was kind. Of, but I guess part well, of our where it got to the point where it got down to a duel, it's just I don't know. I'm just glad that the, it's very clean though. <laughs> it's a clean way to end uh, a fight. Not the duel part, but that it's we have a winner at the end and a loser. Well, I guess they're both. Losers there's no recount. Go to jail. What else? What other famous conflicts? Even if you walk in the grocery store and you've had a peaceful time and you've purchased your products and you get all the way, you've paid, they've rung all your items up, and then you have paper or plastic. Oh, yeah. That one bugs me. So you come home, <laughs> you finally fought that, and you sit down late at night to just watch, get a little laugh on TV, and you have the war between Leno and Letterman. Yes, that was a big dog. And then uh, what's his name injected himself too? Oh, uh, Conan, Conan O'Brien. Conan, yeah. yeah. He kind of lost that one. He's he's out of the. I think it's back to Leno and Letterman. Now. Yeah, they're still fighting. And then you go to change the channel on your remote control and find the batteries are dead. Energizer versus Duracell. Yeah, I like the I like the real cheap ones that are from China that explode in your in your <laughs> machine. Change the they're channel. They're more exciting. They're way more exciting. Yeah. You never know. Cartoon Channel, Wiley Coyote versus Roadrunner. Yep, Change the Channel, Sci-Fi, Star Wars versus Star Trek. <laughs> See, it you. never ends. You just have a Conflict. It's part of our life. Uh, let's wrap up the show. Good stuff there, Rob. We're going to wrap up the show with a quote, a quote by from Theodore Rubin, who says, The problem is not that there are problems. The problem is expecting otherwise and thinking that having problems is a problem. Uh, we appreciate all of you who joined us on the live um Facebook show where we were answering your questions from Facebook. I think we're going to do this regularly. And uh, we also are going to um, be bringing on great guests. Again, another great one tomorrow. Stick with us. Uh, be, you know, Become our friend on Facebook. You can also always uh, give us a call if you have questions while we're on the show. 801-422-0143. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.